forgiveness. This is lesson number six, biblical forgiveness. We will begin our text tonight in Luke chapter six, verse 41 through 45. Luke chapter six, verse 41 through 45. Amen. The word of the Lord says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth forth, or bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit, for every tree is known by its own fruit. That's a big piece of information there. Every tree is known by his own fruit. You got to ask yourself sometime, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Because that tells who you are, and it doesn't matter what you think of yourself, but you have to ask, what are people eating from your tree? For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart is mouth speaketh. Last week, we talked a little bit and had discussions on the difference between the word or the words beam and moat. We talked about the word beam, as the scripture just talked about, and moat. We said that beam is translated a piece of lumber, <laughs> a plank, a stick, while moat is translated a speck, a speck. So we see that there is a big difference between the two, the beam and the moat. One is like a piece of stick, a plank, a wood, piece of wood stuck in your eye. The other is like a speck in your eye. Big difference. We all agreed that we generally don't go around putting sticks or beams in our eye. We agreed that nobody does that. Nobody goes around and put a stick, a pencil. A number two pencil in your eye. My oldest son did that before. We agreed that. That we don't go around doing that. 
We agree that we don't do it to ourselves, and others don't do it to themselves. So nobody goes around putting this thing in their eye because they're not crazy. So if a beam gets in your eye, someone else put it there. Because you don't go around doing it to yourself. So if it got there, someone else put it there. This is why the scriptures say offense will come. So if you narrow it down, sometimes just make it simple and say, the offense is that beam getting in my eye. And I, since I never put a beam in my eye, whatever beam that's in my eye, it's the offense that I now have experienced. So you don't do that. But somebody else does. But the question is not whether or not someone else does, because we know that someone else has to do that. You won't do it to yourself. The big question is, whose responsibility is it to get it out? When a piece of stick go in your eye, when, when, when the beam, the plank, the wood is in your eye, somebody else put it there whose responsibility is it to get it out are you going to just sit around and say you put it in my eye and if you don't get it out i'm not taking it out think about that now because it's kind of what we do when we get offended we want the person that offended us to straighten it out That's essentially what we're dealing with. That's what the scripture is saying about the beam and the moat. You didn't put the beam in your eye. Somebody else did. But you are responsible to take out whatever is wrong. Get it out of there. Don't you want to be better off? Or do you just rather just let it sit in your eye and you sit around like, yeah, I'm not doing anything right now because so-and-so put the beam in my eye and they're walking around like they didn't do anything and so I'm just going to wait until they come and take the beam out. Or do you take it out so you can be healthy and whole? Mm-hmm. So think about that really well to say, okay. So when someone does something to me, it may be my responsibility to fix it up. That's where I'm going with that. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us. You get offended, it's your responsibility to make sure you're okay. All right. I, I don't feel like you're buying that. <laughs> it's the same principle. The beam going in your eye, you got to get it out. The offense come your way, you got to fix it. You can't wait for somebody, I don't care who it is, not the pastor, not uh, the Lord Jesus, not, nobody is responsible for getting your eye clean but you. When you feel like you have a, just think, sometimes when you feel like you have a speck in your eye, what do you do? Start rubbing it. Or you drop eye drops in it. Or you, you put it under the faucet and try to wash it out. Why now all of a sudden we get offended and we're waiting for someone to clean up that offense? We'll, we'll, we'll have discussions after we're done with this because I think that you all want to talk about that. 
God don't remember what I said about the Bible is written to us. But we want the Bible to be written to everybody else. Because that's really what you're dealing with right now. So you're, you're hearing me and you're saying, mm, I see your faces because everybody's going. Mm. If the Bible is written unto us for our admiration and for our, you know, good, why am I worrying about what you think of what the word says? I got to do what the word is telling me, not what it's telling you. Christians love to do this. Man, there was a good word that was preached Sunday. You should have been there. You missed it. Or while the preacher's going on, you're saying, so-and-so should be here because this is a word they need. <laughs> That's you saying the scripture was written for them, not you. <laughs> we get offended when our proper sense of justice is disturbed. There are four main causes of offense. Four main causes. I'll tell you what those are, and that's what we'll deal with tonight. The four main causes of offense. Here are the four main causes of offense. Why you get offended. Let me say it that way. Here are the four reasons why you usually get offended. Your brother or sister offends you they sin against you they do something that made you offended that's reason number one number two your brother disturbed your carnality that's a that's a phrase you probably have never heard and i'll help you understand that tonight your brother disturbed your carnality three you are judgmental against others Woo! that's a big one especially in where i'm gonna say in the northeast oh yeah us, us, us Northeast people think that the world revolves around us. That's the, that's the aura of the Northeast. So wherever Northeast people go, you know they're there. We're just different breeds. And so the bottom line is because of that, we become judgmental against everybody else because we're looking around saying, why can't they be like, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then the fourth offense that comes our way is when we take up an offense, somebody else's offense. So the four things that get you all worked up uh, to, to be offended, your brother or sister offended you, sinned against you, your brother and sister disturbed your carnality, and you may be judgmental against others, and then you take up someone else's offense. Or you just take up an offense, period. Depending on which one of these reasons will determine how you have to deal with it. So let's deal with the first one. Your brother or sister sinned against you. They, they, they did something to upset you. Last week we talked about the five steps that you need to take if someone offends you. If someone did something to you, we talk about the five steps you need to follow, the process you need to follow if someone does something to you. Remember that? Step one, I'll remind you in case you didn't remember. Step one, someone does something to you that offends you. The first thing you're supposed to do is judge yourself. Someone does something to you and you got offended. 
First thing you do is judge yourself. Maybe it's something I did why they reacted that way. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. So you judge yourself. Step two. You test yourself to see if there's any more of you that you can yield to God. So you judge yourself. The second thing is, all right, let me look at my life and see if it's totally submitted to God. Or is there some areas in my life that is not submitted to God? That's if someone offended you. This is before you respond to them. This is where you tell, give them a piece of your mind. This is where you snap. This is where you treat them mean. This is the five things that you need to do. Step three. You consider yourself. Maybe you could have been at fault. Step four, you don't compare yourself with them. You don't compare yourself with them. That always gets us in trouble. We always get in trouble. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how often I see Without us saying that we compare ourselves with one another and we always end up in a bad situation when we do that. We're not calling it that we're judging ourselves with one another. What we're saying is they need to come up another level. All this time they've been coming to church, they need to come up another level. You're judging yourself against them. You didn't think that, huh? Yeah. Step five, you compare yourself to the measure of Christ because you don't compare yourself with each other. You compare yourself to the measure of Christ. So when you get offended, that's the five step you're supposed to take before you respond to anybody. And if you take those five steps seriously, guess what you're going to not do? Respond to them. You'll take that beam out of your eye. Let me get this stuff out of my eye. If you follow those five steps, if you don't follow those five steps, you're going to try to figure out a way how to let them know. You try to figure out a way. You know, we're Christians. We like to try to figure out a Christian way to straighten people out. Yeah, there's a there's there's a, a normal way or what we would call a worldly way to straighten people out. And then there's a Christian way of straightening people out. But what does both ways have in common? You're straightening people out. And we're supposed to be different if we're Christians. So we're supposed to look at the situation the way we just listed, the five way. Judge yourself. Test yourself to see if there's more in you that you can yield to God, more of yourself you can yield to God. Consider yourself maybe you were at fault. Don't compare yourself with your brother or sister. And then compare yourself to the measure of Christ. The only biblical action that we have is to forgive them when they offend us. That's our only biblical action. So if somebody offends you, you're supposed to forgive them. You don't go around trying to straighten people out if you're a Christian. If you're going to behave like a Christian, you don't go around trying to do things to get back at people. Your only way is, Lord, I forgive them. 
that's like taking the beam out of your eye. That's what you're doing. But if you decide that you're going to get back at them, you know what that means? So much in this lesson. It means you're going to go around with this stick in your eye, meaning you're only seeing out of one eye now. And now you're trying to rectify a situation with one eye. Can you ever rectify that right? First of all, you couldn't do it right with two eyes. So now you walk around with this plank in your eye trying to straighten something out. It won't get straightened out. Just forgive. Take that plank out of your eye, put some eye wash in it, and just forgive them so you can see clearly. That's your alternative. That's your option. I shouldn't say alternative. That's your only option you have when someone offends you. So write that down. Somebody probably want to write that down as a side note. No, no, no. This is what I mean by write down side note. You're going to have a question about that after we're done. So write that down and say, yeah, I got to find out about this. Because there's no way in your natural mind you think, how can somebody do something to me and I need to forgive them? Go back to the five steps. Who do you think you are? You think you all totally submitted to God? You don't think you could have done something that kind of caused them to react a certain way? What do you think? And so the Lord is telling you, just pull that beam out of your eye, which means just forgive them and keep on doing what you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. That's what we're supposed to do. The next thing we need to look at that caused us to deal with being offended or feel like we were done wrong. Your brother disturbed your carnality, your fleshly emotions, your feelings. Your when the Bible says carnal, it's talking about your fleshly um, being okay it's not talking about anything spiritual from God it's talking about your your, your flesh your emotions and so your, your, your brother or sister did something that caused your flesh to raise up that caused your emotion to raise up and so now you're offended because they hurt your feelings when in actuality it only had to do with your fleshly emotion here are some examples of how that work you ready for that Matthew 13, verse 20. But he that receiveth the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet had he not root in himself, but dure it for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. This is talking about people who hear the word. Respond quickly without counting the cost. That's what Anon means, straightway or quickly. But they fail to invest enough to grow deeper in Christian living. The going is good, but in trials and tribulation, persecution, they get offended. That's carnality being disturbed. So, when you're supposed to be this Christian person that's enjoying the things of God and you let little things tick you off, it means you allow your carnality to get offended. Because there's no way if you're walking in the spirit that you will be offended by that situation. So if you got offended by something when you're supposed to be in the spirit, then it means you allowed your flesh, your carnality to get involved. 
And so that's what the scripture is talking about, or that's what we're teaching about here, is when we allow our carnality to get offended, it's because we resort to the fleshly response and allow our flesh to be the thing that, and I see that so all the time, where we, leave, we allow our flesh to control our behavior when, what the Bible says, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we have to do our very best to not let our flesh get so upset that we do something that can prevent us from inheriting the kingdom of God. Listen to this, though. You got to remember, God brings us through some things to purify us and to prove us. Don't frustrate the process. Don't take yourself out of the process or God will have to bring you through it again and again until you go through it and handle it. Listen, when you're going through something, whether someone deliberately did something to you, you've got to stop and say this. I found myself at a time questioning how men of God and women of God cannot stop and think this. That when something happened to you as a child of God, you don't stop and say, God, you allowed this. I get so concerned that people that's been living for God a long time go through some stuff and it just takes them so out of the game. And you're saying to yourself, I'm saying to myself anyway, you're a child of God. God didn't abandon you. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God said, I love you. God said, I'm your provider. But somehow, he, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the, the, the all-present God, allowed that thing to happen to you. Don't you know that he allowed it? Would you think he couldn't stop it? It got by him? That thing that happened to you, it got by. God was trying to stop it. And before God could have stopped it, it just went past God and got on you. He missed it. Is that what we're saying? Is that what we're because Because when we, when we respond and react the ways that we do, that's really what we're saying. God missed it. <laughs> God, you missed it. I cannot believe that they did this to me. Maybe there's some stuff in you that God was trying to get out of you. And so he didn't miss anything. He just stood by and said, because he's trying to get something out of you that's going to make you a better Christian, that's going to make you be closer to him, that's going to make you more who you're supposed to be in Christ. He just welcomed that thing into your life. He wasn't trying to stop it. It didn't get by him. It wasn't hard for him to try to figure out how to stop it. He let it. And we have to sometime realize that God is allowing that to happen to me. And all I need to say is, all right, God, what's wrong in me? What are you trying to teach me? What do I need to understand? Because you're allowing this. And if you get it like that, what do I always say? Learn the ways of God. And you've got to know what God think about you. And once you know what God think about you and some things happen in your life, you got to smile and says, all right, Lord, what's going on here? What are you trying to work out that I'm, I'm, I'm not paying attention to? And we get it and go. The second thing is Matthew, or the second one, the second example, Matthew. 
chapter 13, verse 54. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence had this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then had this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So, why did they get upset with Jesus? Why? He was doing good works. The Bible says, look at this, at the end of it, it said, And he did not many good works because of their unbelief. In another one of the gospel, it said, except for a few miracles, and those miracles included some healing. So here is this man going around healing people and teaching the word of God. And because you're familiar with him, you're offended. Why? He not qualified? Or should it have been you? That's all carnal. It's all carnal. There's nothing spiritual about it. There's nothing spiritual about Jesus being on the scene teaching the word of God, healing people, and doing great things, and the people getting offended. They were carnal. So that's why they got, they were carnal. I hear Stacy saying something, and I'm going I'm, I'm to tell, tell you all this. Remember I told you about being judgmental? Huh? Watch out for that word. I don't get that. Just thought I'd just get it right in there. I don't understand or I don't get that. You're being judgmental in some way and you don't even realize it. Because you're not them. So why would you get it? Why would you understand it if you're not them? So once we start saying that, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Being a little, you're going down that path of judgmentalness. So let me say it that way. Maybe you didn't get there yet, but you're going down that path because you can't understand it if you're not in their shoes. You won't get it if you're not like them. So the bottom line is those people that had an issue with Jesus, yeah, we could look and say, what's wrong with them? But I can stop and say even today, is everybody in this world following Jesus? then I can say the same thing. I don't get it. Why is everybody not following Jesus? So we don't change. We're still the same people, and we're still doing the same things. Nothing new under the sun. We just have to pray for people. Love people. I don't need to get you. I don't need to understand you. All I want to do is love you. What the Bible says, oh, no, man, nothing, except what? Okay. So I don't have to get it. I didn't owe getting it. I owe loving you. <laughs> they were offended in Jesus. And Jesus didn't do one thing. Here's another one real quick. Matthew 15 and 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. 
Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees are offended after they heard this saying? Why were they offended? Again, it had nothing to do with spiritual. Because when you're spiritual, I'm sure all of you have experienced this before. And if you haven't, you will. The Holy Ghost will confirm something someone is telling you. So someone will tell you something and the Spirit of God will just kind of confirm in you. That's correct. That's legit. Trust that. That will happen in your life at some point in time if you keep living for Christ. And so the Spirit will never get offended is what I'm trying to tell you. The Spirit will confirm when the Word of God is being spoken. But your carnality will say, I don't like that. Let's eat up. You see what I mean? So that's what I'm talking about, your carnal or your carnality being offended. It's not anything spiritual. It's you allowing your flesh, your, your carnal side, your emotion that's just fleshly to get in the way. That's reason number two. How do you handle that when you allow your carnality to get offended? Do you forgive? Forgiveness don't work in that particular instance. You know what work in that particular instance? You repent before God. Because you allow yourself to get offended by something because your flesh got in your way. You're supposed to repent. My God, I allowed myself to get offended by that. I know it's not you. Because you always confirm and you always will, will make sure there's harmony with your word. And if I got offended at your word, it means there's a carnal part of me that's working. And I don't need that working because that doesn't help me. Uh-huh. Allow God to change your heart through remission of sins and the empowering of his spirit. Get that thing taken care of. And you won't be bothered by what they said. When you get your heart right and let the Spirit of God help you, you won't get offended by stuff. In fact, you may thank people sometimes if your heart is right when they do certain things to offend you. Because when they do something to offend you, it exposes some things in you that isn't really good. And you need to correct. But you wouldn't have known that it need correction if you didn't get offended. And that's why I said sometimes the Lord Jesus just opened the door and says, come on in. Do what you have to do with that guy. Because I got to get some stuff out of him. He let the devil come and mess with Job, didn't he? So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying some crazy far-fetched thing that you like, what is he talking about? No, he let the devil come and mess with Job. He said, you can't kill him, but I'll let you mess with him. And we later found out Job had a little bit of pride. Job had a little bit of pride. And when, when, when the devil messed with him and did a real work on him, at the end of the day, Job got it together and that pride wasn't in him anymore. 
The third reason why someone may get offended. This is a wonderful one, and certainly no one here is guilty of this. If you have expectations that resides in people, you are going to be disappointed. So if you have expectations of people, you're going to be disappointed. Uh Uh-huh. And guess what? When you become disappointed, you will become judgmental. It started with expectations. Then you became disappointed. Then you became judgmental. That's another one that gets us. So the third one is you are judgmental. Being judgmental comes from having expectations of your brother that you should only have for God and yourself. There are expectations that you should only have for yourself and from God. And when you start having certain expectations of other people, you're going to get disappointed. And when you get disappointed, you're going to start judging them. You're going to be judgmental. So the best way to go about life is to have a whole lot of expectation of yourself and the Lord. Leave all that other stuff alone with people. Be an encourager to people. Be one to lift up people. Be one to speak positive positive things in people's life. And don't you worry about what they should be. As parents, we need to set goals to achieve. But we don't have to get into, you know, I have this expectation of you in your children. Set goals and teach. Set goals and teach. That's how we get them there. But don't you have expectation of people that you only should have for yourself and for God. Everybody is their own unique individual, their own DNA. Let them be who they are. Because the expectation that you may have of them, God may not have had that for them. So we need to make sure the expectations that we have should be of self. Yes. So we put expectation expectation on people that God didn't intend for them to have. So, for instance, you know, I'll, I'll just do. No, I don't want to use that one because I won't let kids get get over on that. So, so I'll, I'll I'll use one that's just really easy. I might have an expectation of someone saying, man, you know, they should be a pastor. I mean, I see pastoral things in them. That's my expectation. And so when they're not doing things that lead to them becoming a pastor, I become disappointed. And when I become disappointed, I become judgmental. So that's an example. However, what if God's expectation? of them because God had set certain things in their life when he created them was for them to go in the foreign field and be a missionary. And here I am sitting around. So I have a wrong expectation of them because God didn't have that of them. So we have to be careful when we start setting expectation on people because we don't know how God built them and how God made them and what God expects from their life. If they're my kids, I can set goals for them and I can teach them. But I have to be careful with that expectation thing. 
Now, I can discipline them because I taught. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. And if we do this, then this is the results. That's different. That's you setting the order and how things are supposed to be in your home that has nothing to do with expectations and having expectations of, of, of people that you didn't teach and train to be what you're expecting them to be. Instead of saying, I expect this person to straighten up and be better, we should be saying, Lord, I expect you to order my steps. I expect you to take me into experiences that I need to make me more like you, Lord. Uh, Galatians. I'll give you that in a second. Uh, Let's go. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. We know what the scripture says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Then it says in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burden. That doesn't mean take it off of him or her and drop it. The purpose doesn't seem to be to get rid of the burden. The purpose rather is to share the burden. So when someone is going through, we are to share what they're going through and pray to God because maybe God will direct you as to how to to, to minister to them, how to be a blessing to them. And that's that will only happen and uh, here's a revelation. That's how that's how God will use you. You want to experience the power of God working in your life? Start bearing somebody else's burden. Because when you start to share their burden, maybe what they can't do, God will use you to do. But 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 we have to God will only entrust us to do it because we're invested in it. You can't really be a help to someone when you're standing afar off trying to help them. The only way you're going to really help someone when you're trying to help them is up close, not far away. And so bearing their burden will help them in a really good way. But I'm praying for you. Prayer will move you to do something. I can't say I'm praying for you, but I'm not doing anything about it. When you sincerely start praying for somebody, God will give you understanding. He will give you revelation. He will direct you to now know how to really touch their life and to make their life better. So when you really pray for someone, oh, God will do. He will show you something. He will help you with something to help your brother, help your sister. But if you're just praying that, you know, God bless them, touch them. Let your will be done in their life, Lord. Then it's different. The key to this passage is this. If you are spiritual. Right? The purpose doesn't seem to be get rid of the burden. It's to take it on. But you can only do that if you're spiritual. That's why the Bible says if you see your brother taking on, you which are spiritual. If you're not spiritual, hands off. 
If you're not spiritual and you see someone going through, don't say nothing, don't do nothing, get spiritual, then help them. Back to how we started. Get that beam out of your eye first before you can help nobody else. Remember I told you that? That's what the Bible is trying to teach us. We can't help anybody when we're all messed up. So we've got to get ourselves together before we can help somebody else. You may think that you have helped someone else when you was all messed up, but the Bible can't lie. You can only help someone get restored when you are on solid ground. Hands off if you're not spiritual. If you're not spiritual, you will cause more harm than good. If you're not spiritual and you try to help them, it becomes the blind leading the blind. And if a blind is leading blind, they're going to fall in the ditch because neither can see. Uh-huh. So if a man's overtaking the fault, keep your hands off if you're not spiritual. Romans 2 and 1. You ready for this scripture? Romans 2 and 1 says, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. We didn't know that, we didn't know that was in the Bible. Wherever you're going to judge someone, you condemn yourself. You're bound to experience something that's going to cause you to be judged if you judge somebody else. It's just that simple. If you're judging, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it, if you're judging someone, you're being judged. It's just a fact. So you can judge if you want. Just know somebody's judging you. You discover that you are judgmental and you don't love your brother like you need to. My own righteousness is being provoked. And my intolerance is being disturbed. You don't need to forgive that brother. You need to repent. So this situation is not forgiveness. It's repentance. Uh-huh. This brings us to the last offense. And that is taking up an offense. Where is an example in the Bible of taking up? An offense. We've got plenty of examples. Let me give you this one. Matthew 26, verse number 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head, as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she had wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she had poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, 
there shall also there shall also this that this woman had done be told for a memorial of her. There was nothing to help Jesus' disciples the very next night when they took up that offense. There was no grace given. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Somebody does you wrong or does wrong to your friend that is not wrong done against you. And now you get offended. So we see it a lot where somebody did somebody wrong or you think they did somebody wrong. And that person is your partner, your friend, your buddy, your pal, your girl, your boy. And now you have taken up that offense. And we do that almost without even trying. Because here's how it normally go. If Tony and I are friends, and I see Tom did him wrong, it's just easy for me to just stay far from Tom. From Tom, messing my man Tom. It just is natural. And one of the reasons why it's natural is we don't want Tony to be upset with us. Because Tony, my man, and Tony's going to be like, why are you talking to Tom? You know he did me wrong the other day. So I don't want to offend my buddy because him and I roll out all the time. So I just kind of not talk to Tom. Because I don't want to offend my buddy Tony. Because Tony and I are cool. And Tom did him wrong. And so I just don't talk to Tom. And Tom picks up on it. He's not talking to me. Listen to this. Do you know that God actually sends people your way to offend you? You would have never thought about that, huh? Uh-huh. He actually encourages it. But sometimes it's only by being offended that you will learn the lesson that you need to learn. The fact of the matter is sometimes we bury our carnality pretty deep. And sometimes we bury our judgmentalism and lack of love pretty deep where we're functioning and kind of disregarding it. But it's still something in us that we need to get out of us because if it stays there, it someday could really put a real hurting on us. And so what God will do is send someone to dig it up, stir it up. So you can know it's there and that you will stop ignoring it. And you fighting. And you fussing. And you telling people off as a Christian. All because you feel like someone purposely came and offended you. Or you saw something wrong and you took an offense. When God allowed it all to take place. Just so you can see some stuff that's in you. Mm Mm-hmm. There is no grace that comes to the third party that takes up an offense. So guess what? If you find yourself doing that, you need to repent. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you put this offense behind you. When an offense comes, 
it is so important that we figure out why it happened. When I am offended, it may be that they sinned against me. We may need to ask, why did God allow that to happen? Because that's a prime opportunity to show character of God. Nobody is as sensitive to God's voice as they are immediately after they have done wrong. So God allows some things to happen sometimes so you can be attentive to his voice. Because when all is good and everything is rolling the way you want it, you can't hear the Lord. You're not trying to hear the Lord. You just want to do your thing. And so when wrong is done, immediately we become sensitive to hearing God. So if God allows someone to sin against you, it just may be that that's the time when they are most vulnerable to hear the gospel. So maybe something was being preached and you wasn't getting it. God had to send somebody to offend you. That happens in church, by the way. You're hearing something, you're hearing something, and 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 you're thinking about so-and-so needs to hear this. And then the day come where you're going through something and you hear that message again and all of a sudden it means something different to you now. Now you're hearing it because you had you had just experienced something. So now you're hearing the message. But all while you were going and wasn't experiencing anything, no big deal. You didn't want to hear the message. Can you imagine how Saul of Tarshish felt after he is shouting, Kill him! And he hears Stephen say, lay not this sin to their charge. Who knows? Was that the moment of truth for Paul? When Paul was going to Damascus and the bright light shined, he fell to the ground. The Bible says, the word of God says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't respond indignantly. What voice? Well, where is that voice coming from? Because the way how haughty he was to go to go person, he I can't believe he responded that way. Who art thou, Lord? Dude, you got this anger and just 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 you ready to go get Christians and persecute them, and all of a sudden you heard the voice. Who art thou, Lord? So maybe when he was egging people on and cheering them on to stone Stephen. And when Stephen was about to die, Stephen says, lay not this sin to their charge. Maybe everybody walked away. Maybe we never stopped to think about that passage of scripture. Maybe a lot of people walked away from the death of Stephen with a different perspective and that they, their lives was never the same again. Because while Stephen was dying, he says, lay not the charge. So all of them that participated in stoning him, all of them that participated in killing Stephen, just those words, I wonder what happened to everybody that did that. Because to us, what we've read, the most effective apostle got saved. The most effective apostle 
got saved, and he was the main one. Yeah, let me hold your coat. Yeah, stone him. I'm holding the coats. Get him. I'll hold the coats. Just get him. And he became the most effective apostle. I wonder what happened to all those people that was throwing the stones. Yeah, we'll find out. I certainly wonder. But if you find that it's your carnality, repent. And if you find the fact that you are judgmental, repent. And if you find the fact that you've taken up another's offense, repent. When somebody offends you, you forgive. When all the other things happen, when your carnality get offended, when you become judgmental, and when you take up someone else's offense, repent. All I have to say is one word. For you that know, you know. For you that don't know, well, maybe you need to read the story. Ahithophel. Ahithophel. He took up an offense and ended up hanging himself. He hung himself because he took up an offense. Bathsheba's grandfather. So, we only hurt ourselves when we're judgmental. We only hurt ourselves when we take up someone else's offense. We only hurt ourselves when we allow different things to offend us and we don't look into ourselves and say, if I got offended by that, it must be because some area of my life is not right. I'm allowing my carnality to get offended. And when we allow what people say or do to us to be something that we get so upset about that we, we just cut people off instead of just forgiving them, we just hinder our own walk and relationship with Christ. And so that's biblical forgiveness, lesson six. Any questions? You're not going to ask any questions? All the questions that you had in your mind while I was talking, they're, go- they're gone? They disappeared? Or are you just probably ready to go home? Which one is it? The questions are gone or you're ready to go home? <laughs>